New York Artists Collective. Hello there and welcome to This Next One's About. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and co-producer of the New York Artists Collective podcast, This Next One's About. Today's episode is a special mini-sode edition where we take a step back from the songwriting process and we dig deep into some of the more business and managerial aspects of being an independent artist in today's music scene. Today's guest is singer-songwriter Rebecca Lobie. Rebecca Lobie is an independent singer-songwriter who you may remember from The Voice in 2011. Since then, she has opened for Sean Colvin, The Civil Wars, Gregory Allen Isakov, Mary Chabon Carpenter, and Ellis Paul, amongst others. Her latest single, Growing Up, was featured in Rolling Stone magazine as one of the top 10 best country and Americana songs of the week. As well as being a talented musician, she has also become quite an expert at owning her own distribution and she runs a successful Patreon page. And Patreon, in fact, even featured her on their blog after her successful album promotion. Angela and I took some time to meet with Rebecca to bring you some of her top tips on how to make it as an independent musician and how you can use Patreon as an artist to support your music. Rebecca Loby, welcome to the New York Artist Collective mini-sode. This next one's about... Um, and we're going to focus on Patreon, but I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And uh, my co-producer, Angela, is joining me tonight for this very special edition of uh, the podcast. So uh, first of all, welcome. Goodbye. Thank you. So Angela, you and I had, had seen um, an article that Patreon had published um, on Rebecca, and we thought it was such a wonderful article and such a great example of how independent musicians are, are taking control of their career. Um, so what were your thoughts on on that article and what are some of the questions that you have for Rebecca? Well, definitely. I mean, the first thing that struck me is what I know about Patreon is, is they do a lot to support artists. So I think you mentioned in the article, Rebecca, that, you know, you had some really great resources from them. Um, but what I came away with even more is how much of a business person you are as a musician and really what it takes to be successful in that way. Um, and what I mean by that is just having this clarity. Uh, and that's kind of what got me really excited to chat with you about that is, you know, what are the things that have made Patreon successful for you? And also, what do you get out of it? I know it's kind of a special platform. A lot of people use it. Um, one of my favorite artists, Amanda Palmer, does an amazing job with it. Um, so yeah, I really wanted to hear from you, like, what is making this experience special for you? I also happened to realize, unrelated to Patreon, um, that I was like, you know, listening through all of your music and I was like, oh my gosh, she was on The Voice and I remember watching her and being amazed. And I was so sad that I didn't get to continue with her. And I was like, now I get to continue <laughs> oh, with her. <laughs> Surprise. Truly, though, it was like one of the most moving performances I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. you. Know, yeah, you're brilliant. So many reasons Thanks. to be excited. But today we'll talk about Patreon. The incredible work you've done since I was like jaw dropping on the floor watching my TV. <laughs> so Thank where you. did you first hear about Patreon and what really spurred you to take it on yourself? Sure. Um, I first heard about Patreon probably three or four years ago. Um, there was another product kind of entering the market at the same time. And it was called like patronage.com or something else that used the word patron and it was sort of like a VHS beta sort of scenario where you had, you know, or like stage it concert window where you had sort of two products coming on the market at the same time, both kind of addressing the same need slash interest um, that had been sort of bubbling underground, um, which was sort of 
a return to Patreon-supported independent artists. I wasn't super interested in Patreon when I first heard about it because I was actually running my own subscription website, which is something I had started with the help of a friend back in 2010. I started a website called RebeccaLobie.net where um, people who liked my music and wanted to help me make more of it could sign up. It was a pay-what-you-like uh, platform. And, you know, we had different levels. And it was just a very simple, like, HTML website with PayPal buttons. And what I offered was a monthly uh, bootleg show. I was recording all of my gigs on a little Zoom recorder off the board. And I'd take the ones that I liked best and chop them up into bootleg recordings and um, offered a full-length live download every month for um, people who chose to subscribe. And subscriptions were anywhere from $5 up to like $50, I think was the highest one. And um, I set that up in early 2010. And that was just like a very direct, there wasn't a lot of interaction necessarily, um, because there was no comment feature, there was no messaging feature. It was just a website where, you know, there was the payment feature, and then I would upload the new content every month. And, um, and I don't even think it automatically notified people when new content was posted because I didn't want to bother anyone. Oh, I know. Well, I didn't want to bother anyone. I didn't <laughs> want anyone to like remember that they were giving me money every month and then decide to stop basically. <laughs> but I mean, a friend of mine who was a little more tech savvy was like, you know, Becca, it would be really nice if like there was like an RSS feed or something that would like inform me like a podcast, you know, when there was new content. And I was like, oh yeah, I know. I don't know how to do that, but I'll figure it out. And I was really lucky actually that I had that in place before I appeared on The Voice. Because when I made my first appearance on The Voice, I I knew that, that I would only have one more because every, you know, all my segments had been filmed by the time my first episode aired. Mm. So I spent three full 12 hour days sitting in pajamas on the recliner in my dad's living room, responding to emails, Facebook, and probably MySpace messages or maybe Twitter comments um, at the time. Cause I remember when my episode aired on the voice, I woke up the next morning and I had a thousand new emails in my inbox oh, from my website, God. mostly from kind couples in the Midwest whose kids had moved out for college and had a spare bedroom and wanted to make sure that I knew that I didn't have to sleep in my car. Cause that was like a big part of my <laughs> pitiful backstory was homeless yeah. musician, Rebecca Loby is here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just made some crack at my audition about how I was a full-time itinerant songwriter, which is like a fancy way of saying well-dressed homeless person. And next thing you know, Carson <laughs> Daly's calling me homeless on national TV. So anyhow, I had all that set up. And I made it my personal mission to respond to everyone who contacted me after I was on the show. Cause I knew this was my shot. I knew I was only going to be on one more time. And at that time I was going to get sent home. So I responded to every single message, every email, every DM, every comment. And I just basically said like, Hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. I'm a touring songwriter. Here's my tour schedule. Here's my website. Here's where you can buy my music on iTunes. And here's where you can subscribe to my, you know, subscription website thing if you're interested. So having that infrastructure already set up when I went on the show was just very lucky because I did manage to sort of catch a bunch of like sort of new followers into that net. And it sort of helped me earn a bit of money that summer after I was on the show and like sort of capitalize on that experience a little bit. And it was just sort of like an early experience with, you know, 
ongoing patron model crowdfunding, basically. But for that reason, when Patreon came along in whatever it was, 2014 or 15, I didn't need that service because I already had my own version of it going. So I didn't see why I would take advantage of some other model where I, you know, where the rules were different and I had to pay a company for a service I was already providing myself. So I sort of just let it go, didn't worry about it. And then over time, my ability to keep on top of editing a full length bootleg <laughs> every month uh, dwindled. I was starting to fall behind. I was outsourcing that. It was getting to be overwhelming. And it just, in this one moment in late 2017, I had some clarity. I'd seen some friends do really well with Patreon. My um, my membership on my .NET, that was the lowest it had ever been. It was just sort of naturally ebbing. And I decided to shut that down and transition into a Patreon. So that's what I did. That's incredible. I mean, and that's one of the things that's really cool about that is that you already had the sense of what your own community, like a tight knit community that's really getting direct contact with you in, in a lot of ways, the benefit that that would have. I definitely get a sense from, from your music and what you've said about music that it really, there's like a real mission driven sense to the work that you do in terms of how music helps heal people and uplift people and elevate people. And do you really, do you feel like you get to see those results by having this kind of close knit community? I mean, obviously now on Patreon, but even then um, when you're getting to like interact with all these people that, you know, saw you on TV and the next day got to email you, um, how does that affect your experience of your own mission? Yeah. Great question. Well, and interestingly, I, I definitely feel much more close, the close knit thing with Patreon than with my previous iteration, because there just wasn't much community or closeness or interaction in the website that I built. And now that I have that with Patreon, I can see how that was lacking, but I, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. So <laughs> with Patreon, you know, when I first started it, probably informed by my previous experience, I just thought like, okay, this is going to be, a a convenient way to like use this infrastructure to develop an additional revenue stream. And God knows I need one of those. So I was just excited about, you know, potential income and, you know, basically that's how I saw Patreon. But almost immediately I realized it was something way more than that for me because it was a hub for the people who were most excited about my career and excited to get involved by taking one extra step. And that extra step can cost $1 a month. So it's not like a matter of only sharing this experience with people who are wealthy, because most people can share $1 a month towards something that they're excited about. But it's people who are excited enough to take that step to like identify as like, yes, I am super into this. I am interested enough to sign up for a new website and give these people my email address and be here with you. And so having like a direct line to those 200 something people for me, I think I'm at like 280 something patrons right now. Um, that has been emotionally really beneficial for me. Um, and just in terms of having direct access to like these super enthusiastic supporters has been fantastic. Having somewhere kind of private and dedicated on the internet where we can get together and communicate has been amazing. Having this enthusiastic audience that wants to hear my newest work has inspired me to write more. I mean, my whole record, Give Up Your Ghosts, was written almost the entire thing within a few months of when I started my Patreon page. And I 
don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's because suddenly I had this dedicated audience of people who were excited to hear my newest material. So I had just one more motivation to write more and, you know, an audience for it that, that was waiting. It was, that was really exciting and really inspiring. So it turned out to be so much more than I initially thought it would be. Yeah. Can I just ask a quick question in terms of the community that you, you speak about? Could you just talk a little bit about that? Because I know that you were saying you didn't have that on your website, but what does Patreon give you for those people that don't necessarily know it that well or haven't used it as an artist yet? What do you get in terms of that connection with your fans? Sure. Patreon is a website where you sign up, you know, like any other, like any website where you sign up, create a username, create a profile as a listener as a patron, you support an artist who you want to hear from by signing up to be a patron of that person. You commit to, you know, spending a dollar a month or $2 per new song or whatever. And then every time that artist that you're signed up to follow releases something new on the site, all their followers automatically receive an email saying, Rebecca's released a brand new video or Rebecca's released a brand new song. Click here to check it out. And that leads to the, your post on Patreon. And then on that post, there's an opportunity for people to like it or to leave a comment. And where I feel the most connection community wise is in that comment section where I release a new song or I release a new video or I ask a question of my patrons and people respond there. And then I respond to their responses and, you know, threaded comments where we can kind of have a dialogue going. And that dialogue continues over months and now for me years where, you know, and it's mostly the same, I would say 25 patrons are the most active out of the 200 that are following me. But those people, we have this sort of like ongoing conversation that's all sort of revolving around my work, which is really pretty powerful, at least for me. <laughs> I hope they enjoy it too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I was going to say before, which ties in perfectly now as well, is just, I think, as a singer-songwriter, and even if you work with other artists and, you know, have people in your band, and there's a lot of ways you do get to interact with people, but sometimes that does feel like there's a there's a bit of a solitary element. So the ability to, to get that direct dialogue with people, I could imagine, mm -hmm. was something that could really be meaningful for you as an artist. But have you noticed, I know you post various kinds of content, like new songs that you've written or covers or, you know, just like journal essay type things. Um, what do you find your fans respond to the most? That's a good question. I think that um, what I find people respond to the most are songs or videos that have a personal story connected to them, whether it's an original song or a cover. When I have sort of a unique perspective about my history with the song or why that song matters to me, and I'm able to articulate that in an essay to accompany the post, that I feel like is sort of what people grab onto and comment on. I also do think that the audience is probably most eager for new original songs, which is funny because that's what I give them the least of because <laughs> I am a, not a super prolific writer and B immediately after, well, I started working on my new record and once the record was underway and since I was working on it with a record label, um, there were only so many of the songs that were going to end up on the 
album that I wanted to like share publicly anywhere before the album came out. So it sort of shifted into being a platform more where I'm sharing like acoustic recordings of tracks that are already out there, but like sort of re-envisioning them or sharing um, cover cover songs and cover videos. Um, and at this point, I mean, I haven't written any, I've been writing the last few months because I've been touring so much. So I actually don't have any new songs that haven't already been shared with Patreon. <laughs> but I'm sure if I had any new songs to share, that's probably what my patrons want to hear <laughs> the most. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because that's a big part of the live shows that we do. Uh, the, the We do like a Nashville style writers round and we really encourage the artists like to share a bit about what went into the songs. I think that's what that's what people really respond to is like knowing mm -hmm. um, just even that little bit of insight into like your artistic process. You know, you don't have to tell them like, well, it was a writing prompt from like sometimes that's really probably do that. And it's really interesting to a lot of people. But even just giving them the story of like this person cut me off from right. traffic and it made me realize like whatever, right, <laughs> whatever it is. Right. So at, at this point, you know, I want to kind of do a couple questions. We, ha we definitely have a lot of artists listening to the show and we have a lot of fans of Hi, music artists as well. <laughs> see you out there see you out there don't give up uh, take your vitamins <laughs> all very good advice unprompted so listen to her um <laughs> and for some prompted advice so in terms of developing this patreon that clearly you know you get so much out of as an artist and your fans get so much out of as well um what do you think was the biggest learning curve when you started doing Patreon? Well, there were just some mechanics of how the site works that took me a little while to get a hang of. Um, and it's been so long yeah. <laughs> since it was brand new to me and it's constantly evolving that I'm not even quite sure I remember what those things were specifically. But one example is that like I started the site and there's this concept in there of tags where you can tag a post. So I could, tag it, hashtag new song, hashtag video, hashtag original song. What I have learned yeah. after a couple years of releasing posts there is the tags are super helpful because say that I tag every original song with the hashtag original song, then a new, a new patron can click on the original song tag and it'll, you know, now I've got 60 something posts there, but 32 of them are original songs. So they click the original song tag and it just, you know, how hashtags work, pulls together all the things that are tagged original song, but it is cap specific, cap sensitive and spacing sensitive. So original space song space is tagged differently from original space song and a capital O will be tagged differently than one that has a lowercase o and if it's plural on one and singular on the other so those tags have to be precise and absolutely the same every single time and for the first two years of doing it I was pretty sloppy with my tags because I didn't quite realize the power and potential of that feature so at some point in the past few months I went back through all 50 something posts I've put up and redid all my tags on every post and now I have a master list of tags that I keep in the notes on my iPhone. And every time I make a new post, I copy and paste my tags from my master list of tags. And that way my tags are all consistent and more useful to my patrons. Oh my God, that's 
like incredible. I, <laughs> I was expecting to be like, you know, keeping up with comments or like, <laughs> no, that's, that is truly like one of those things you can only learn the hard way. So thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> Happy to help. So like big picture with Patreon, you know, I think with, with various kinds of like fundraising or kickstarting and Patreon being a, you know, monthly uh, recurring opportunity for people, you know, I know there's definitely something to be said for doing a lot of launches. But how else do you keep momentum going to continue growing your platform? Like once you've launched your page and figured out your tags, um, got your killer video because yours is amazing. Um, The ending is my favorite part. I highly suggest everyone go watch all the way to the end. Um, (laughs) How do you keep momentum going and, and maybe like even a top tip that you found for like helping continue to grow? Well, I think continuing to put out content that you believe in and that you're excited about is the most important thing. Because if you aren't excited about what you're doing on that page, then you will naturally be less excited and enthusiastic about spreading the word. Um, I do think that the launch, as you mentioned, you know, too many launches is something to consider for sure. But I think that the launch of a Patreon page is absolutely vital. I think it's very important to give it a lot of thought, a lot of preparation and to do your absolute best possible job of launching. Because as with all of these things, Kickstarter, GoFundMe's, Indiegogo's, all those things rely on this concept of social proof. They rely on this concept of people seeing it and thinking, oh, well, that looks like fun. That looks busy. That looks buzzy. That looks like it has momentum. That looks like a party I want to be at. And not to say that you can't come back from a week launch, but you only get your initial launch once. And if done right, your initial launch looks like a party and it's exhilarating and fun and it looks successful and like something that people want to be a part of. And I just think it's worth taking the time to absolutely make sure that you nail that. Um, and, and by time, I don't mean like 40 hours a week for six months. I mean, honestly, I daydreamed about doing my Patreon for about six months and I knew I wanted to launch it on my birthday, which is something else I'll talk about in a second, but I knew I wanted to launch it on August 17th. So about two weeks before my Mm. birthday, I was like, oh shit, I haven't done anything. (laughs) I have have a login and that's it. And if I'm going to do this on my birthday, I either have to get this together in the next two weeks or I have to wait a year. Um, And I want to do it now. So let's go. So I did a ton of research. I um, dug around the materials on Patreon's page and read through a bunch of blogs and a bunch of the getting started materials they have. I looked at the the Patreon pages that I had been supporting that were sort of the most similar to mine. Like Carsey Blanton has a great one. Nora Jane Struthers has a great one. Kina Grannis has a great one. These were all sort of my inspirations. Um, Natalie Dawn, who is in Pomplamoose with Jack Conti, the uh, founder of Patreon, who also happens to be his wife. Um, she has a great Patreon page <laughs> and also did a really great blog with Patreon all about how she relaunched her Patreon page. And because she is married to the founder, I figured that was about as close as Patreon was getting to saying, hey, everyone, you should definitely do it this way. But they put like a little bit of a screen in between them <laughs> and and just fully endorsing this approach. 
So, but uh, that was all that, that worked for me. So I went to that blog of hers and between that blog, Patreon's getting started materials and the websites that I was sort of observing, I created my plan, my action plan. Oh, and then the other big factor was a website called launch and release. Have you heard of that? I haven't. No, they're a crowdfunding expert sort of website They're They, um, they, you can hire them to consult on a Kickstarter project, or you can take an online marketing course with them, which is so about three years ago when I was getting ready to crowdfund my record blink, which was the I think third record I've crowdfunded. Um, I crowdfunded three records and I've always done it on my own site. I've never used Kickstarter or anything like that because I'm a bit of a control freak and, you know, don't like to give up money or data to other companies. So, but I still followed the um, launch and release plan, which is very Kickstarter centric, but that's, you know, very much based on the concept of social proof and um, the concept of sort of identifying like your closest, most enthusiastic supporters and for lack of a less gross word, leveraging them, um, using, you know, using them as consultants, getting them excited, getting their honest input about your pitch. And then those are sort of the first people that you've pitched yourself to, if that makes sense. So anyhow, all of this came together to form my plan. And actually I just sent a whole bunch of information about this to a friend of mine who reached out for some advice about starting her Kickstarter. And I kind of have the whole timeline in front of me. Do you want me to walk you through it? I mean, that would be incredible. Thank you. And thank your friend for asking. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, in the day, in the few days before my launch day, which I did on my birthday, I got all the content up about five days before I launched my site. And, um, the content was the stuff that you see on the homepage, like your video, you want your video to be, you know, about two minutes long and a direct appeal and, you know, focus pretty clearly in your video and in all of your text on why you do this, not like what you're going to do or what people are going to get out of it, or, you know, what Grammy award winning songwriters you're going to be able to collaborate with, blah, blah, blah. No one cares about that. What people care about is why you do this insane thing. Like why you are willing (laughs) to, to maniacally pursue this crazy dream of making art. Like there's gotta be a good reason. Like nobody is that egotistical that they like applause so much that you'll sacrifice what you have to sacrifice to live in the arts world. So I found that to be a really helpful exercise for when I was crowdfunding blank was to actually give some thought to why, to what my mission is, to what my purpose is, to why, why have I committed the last 15 years to making art? You know, there are other fields that interest me. I have other skills, but for some strange reason, this has been, this has been it. And for me, what it came down to was that I feel like this is a way that I can serve people. I know it sounds like super cheesy, super lofty. It makes me feel kind of vulnerable saying it out loud. But the truth is that I like I like to perform. I like to put on shows. I like to give people a chance to feel their feelings and to get out of their brains for a couple hours every night. I like to create artistic experiences that allow people to process the emotions that we spend so much time and energy basically trying to avoid over the course of our day-to-day lives. So that is sort of, that's why I do what I do. But I encourage everyone listening who's considering starting a Patreon to get quiet and think about why 
why you do this. So effectively a mission statement. Yeah, exactly. And sharing that with your fans. Craft your mission statement, share it with your fans in your pitch on your website and other things that need on your Patreon site. Other things that need to go in there are your tiers and your goals. My personal approach is that I don't put a lot of, um, I don't differentiate a lot between the tiers. Like you give me $1, you get this much art. And if you give me $5, you get that much art. Personally, I think that people are going to contribute what they can Mm -hmm. afford to contribute regardless of how much you offer them. So I like to keep the tiers pretty much the same. Um, At higher levels, like $50 and more, I'll add guest list access. Um, But other than that, everyone pretty much gets the same thing. I'm kind of a socialist like that. Um, I do have group goals that's on the left side of the Patreon page. So like the first 25 people, I wrote a handwritten thank you note. And when I got to 50 people, I released, I think, an EP that hadn't gone anywhere else and all the patrons got it. So the goals are sort of shared and those are more like milestones for numbers of patrons that we hit. Um, I also, when I launched the site, started with three songs that were well-recorded and um, representative of the kind of work that I planned to share with my patrons. And I put those up on the site for free as my first three posts. And that way the initial pitch was, Hey, check out this website. I have go get three new songs to this website. If you like it, please consider joining. It costs a dollar per post, you know? So got all that up there and then spent the few days before my launch emailing that to my longtime closest supporters, fans, friends. Um, yeah, I mean, starting with like my parents, you know, and my aunts, uncles, cousins, best friends, collaborators, people who had pre-ordered my previous albums, super fans who I know by name, you know, people, people who are close to me. And I reached out to all of those folks on a big BCC email and said, Hey, I'm about to start this new website. I'd love to get your input on it. Will you check it out? Let me know what you think. And then if you feel so moved, I'd love for you to consider being one of the first people to join, you know, when I go public in a few days, it'd be helpful to me if this looked like it already had something going on, if it looked busy and fun. So you can help me do that. That kind of got the ball rolling. And then my launch day I did on my birthday, which I did because I think that any day where you have a lot of built-in traffic online, whether it's your birthday or some other milestone, I think the birthday traffic is pretty exceptional just because of the way Facebook works and algorithms work and all of that. So saying like, hey, it's my birthday, and for my birthday, I'm giving away free, free songs and launching a new website. Check it out. And if you like it, consider joining. That was my pitch. I felt it was fun. It was like nice having something to celebrate on my birthday. And then uh, for the week after that, um, I followed advice from the Natalie Dawn blog, which was basically, you've got to be unreserved about posting every day on every platform for a week. And that's kind of grueling for a lot of people, (laughs) kind of gut-wrenching. But the point that Natalie Dawn made in that blog was like, look, no one sees everything you post, even your mom. Like, that's just, so don't be shy. Like, and sure enough, after seven days of posting every day on every platform, there are still so many people just seeing it for the first time. So that really helped with the launch. And by the end of the first week, I mean, I think I had cleared a hundred people, which was sort of my goal was to get into the triple digits early. Um, because then from that point on, I felt confident about it. I felt like I had, I'd given it my best. I had done everything I could think of and it had like sort of some good momentum to it. It felt like something that had some sort of 
buzz to it. That's incredible. I you <laughs> truly just gave a gold mine of incredible information to artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That was a balls to the wall, like no fucks given, just pure, <laughs> unadulterated. This is how you run a launch campaign. Yay. I loved it. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, that was super generous. And I just want to reiterate to anyone listening who has been considering this, uh, doing a Patreon and growing your fan base that way, just listen to this episode like five times because mm-hmm. <laughs> you really... Get a pen and paper out yes. and listen again. Yeah, exactly. I have a couple other couple other thoughts. Um, really, just one, which is if you're thinking about starting a Patreon page, I recommend following a few people. Um, doesn't have to be me, but my Patreon page is at Rebecca Lobby. But there are so many great artists out there doing this, and I think that following two, three, four people on Patreon so that you can start getting a sense of how they're using it and what they're doing that you like and what they're doing that you don't like. I think that's important, but I also think that being a member of the community in that way is an important show of good faith. Because I think that being able to honestly say, hey, I've been supporting some artists that I love on this website, and now I've decided to join in on the fun feels a lot better than like, hey, I signed up for this yesterday, and now I want you guys to give me your money. You know, it's like saying, I've already put my money where my mouth is on this. Like, this is a community that in which I am an active member. I think that there's real value in that. I totally agree. And I also, that was something that really stood out to me um, that I would reiterate to everyone is like really, I mean, read all the resources Rebecca just mentioned today. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and really do like do your research, not just by, you know, what Patreon offers or any other platform that you're using, um, but exactly what you just said, support other artists doing this and also yeah, see what resonates with you and gives you ideas for, like you said, the best way to keep momentum going is to keep doing things that are fresh and interesting and exciting to you. So what better way to do that than to like totally, get some inspiration? Totally. Um, not saying copy, I'm saying inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, Angela, you had mentioned that you're a fan of Amanda Palmer. I watch her TED talk about the art of asking anytime I need to get psyched yeah. up to write a pitch. Anytime I need to go to the well for, you know, crowdfunding. I watch her TED talk at least once, if not twice. That was a very life-changing concept for me and really kind of forced me to dig down and like articulate to myself what my mission is, which then just helped me turn around and not only articulate that to people, but actually live it more. Like it shifted my whole perspective on why I do this. Well, okay, I'm doing it to serve. I'm doing it to help people experience their emotions. How can I craft my show in a way that works towards that mission it just it really did sort of change everything for me you can get inspired by the way other people are expressing that and then use that to juice up your own inspiration and your own why um they're all they're all wonderful so um thank you so much for doing this today rebecca it was such a pleasure to have you i do want to okay so you mentioned your patreon i'm gonna go ahead and recommend that everyone just go ahead and sign up. Um, you didn't hear it from me, but you did hear it from me. It's at patreon.com slash Rebecca Lobby. We'll put the details in the episode. She's got it under control. Um, yeah. And anyway. it does look like you might be coming through New York in the spring. So could we keep our eyes peeled for specific dates? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be touring nationally, um, on my own in the spring. And then again, later in the year with my band, Nobody's Girl. 
and all the dates will be on my website. Awesome. 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 Um, yeah. And we will definitely be letting people know about that. And really you've been so generous. This is an incredible uh, wealth of information for folks to have an amazing Patreon experience. So thank you so much again. My pleasure. Good luck, everybody. The lovely and incredibly talented Rebecca Lobie. If you want to follow Rebecca and perhaps support her Patreon, you can find her at patreon.com forward slash Rebecca Lobie, L-O-E-B-E. She will also be touring next year, so you can sign up for her latest tour schedule there as well. I hope you've enjoyed this special Minnesota edition of the podcast. And if you have any feedback or ideas for an episode, we really would love to hear from you. So please send us an email to info at newyorkartistcollective.com. Now on next week's episode, we're very excited to bring you some new music from actor, singer-songwriter Alicia Witt, who you may be familiar with from her latest project, Orange is the New Black. She will be telling us about her song Earful from her latest EP, 15,000 Days. And Earful is already an interesting title, so make sure you subscribe to the show to get that one direct to your device. I am Stephanie Manns. Thank you so much for listening to This Next One's About. We'll see you next time. New York Artists Collective.